And that's what the Lord does. He is saying that I believe that in this particular year, there's been a turning and a shifting that God is having us to focus our attention upon particular things that he is desiring to reveal to us. Things that have always been there, but we didn't see them as we're currently seeing them, as we're seeing them now. The Lord is saying, and, and I call it focus. He says, I want you to pay close attention to these particular things. Are there other things to see? Are there other things that are available to see? Yes, they are. But the thing is, where or what are the things God is positioning us at this particular time to see? So he says, so first of all, stand in the ways. You must take a stand, and, and you're going to hear some teaching on that as we go forward, but what does it really mean to take a stand, to take a stand for what is right, to take a stand and take a position on, on various subjects so that we're not just vacillating from one thing to another, but we do have a position in relation, and our position is not restricted to the positions that the world has set for us. But if anything, God has postured us as the church to see into matters that the world isn't capable of seeing into. So he says, so stand where I've placed you to stand. Stand where I've postured you. I want you to know that that's a strategic place. When you stand where God has placed you, that's his strategy. That's strategic. He says, stand in the way and see. And then he says, and when you stand there, listen to how he puts it here. I love the scripture because it, it, it's so profound. He says, when you stand there, he says, stand there praying, stand there making requests unto the Lord so that God can give a perspective that will be historic, but yet it will have an effect upon what's happening right here and now. Now look at what happens. So we see history has an effect upon uh, uh, current events, and it also, and as we engage in current events, it has something to do with our destiny. It has everything to do with our destiny. Where, we, where are we going? Where are we headed? How is God directing us to fulfill our purpose? He says, so now understand, he is saying, first of all, I want you to stand in the ways. I want you to allow me to position you and then open your eyes and pay attention because in order to see, you have to open your eyes. He says, stand in the way and see. He says, and while you're doing that, this is what you see. These are the things that's revealed, but now pray, pray, pray. Say, Lord, I want to know, I want to know something about uh, prophetic destiny. I want to know something about what took place. I want to know about uh, history in the past. What did you do in the past? What are the things that you revealed in the past? So what you did then, you're able to do now. Look at God's record. Look at his track record. He says, so now ask for the old paths. That has to do with God's track record. What are the paths? What are the paths that, that have already been blazed by those that have gone before us? You know, in the book of, uh, of, of uh, Hebrews, when you see the hall of faith, and it talks about how they named all these names, and they talk about how even some died in faith, still trusting for the promise that had not been fulfilled within their lives. But understand what happens when we go to the hall of faith, in the 11th chapter of, of, of Hebrews, we see how others had stood, how others have stood. And just like they stood, 
God requires the same of us as he did of them. Don't think God changed his mind. The kind of faith and tenacity, the kind of courage that was required of those that had gone before us, God requires the same thing of us or from us. So he says, so as for the old past, you, you see, in this day we want new things. What are the new things? Newfangled notions. How can we come up with a new idea and, and do things so differently? But I'm praying that we, you see, that we go back in order to go forward. I trust that we'll do that. We'll go back and recapture some things that we might have overlooked. He says, when you stand and see what are some of the things that might have been overlooked, that we grasp hold of those things and then we carry them into the present so that we can use the history that have preceded us as a, as, a, as a watermark or as a point whereby we can move towards the future. He says, so now we see the old paths where the good, where the good way is. He says, and walk in it. He said, then you will find rest for your souls. But they said, look at their response. Let, let, let's, let, it's a dialogue. We see what God said. We see what God instructed them in. We see how, what God told them to do. And then it gets, and it says, and they said. What was their response? It wasn't a man. A man says, so let it be. Let it be this way. That's what amen means. But they says, no. That's what they said. They said, I heard you, but no. I heard what you said. Now, now we can say no in so many creative ways, can't we? <laughs> we, we, can, we can say, wait, no, we can tell God no in, in so many ways. I, I would say our lack, of, our lack of effort. If we sit on what God has given us to do, whatever that might be, what we're really saying to the Lord, no. No, Lord. Did you ever say no to the Lord? Have you ever said no, Lord? Yes, we, you see. We, we pray, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. But have you ever said no to the Lord? Have you learned not to say no to the Lord even when you didn't understand what he was doing? So I'm learning to say yes, Lord, even before I understand all that he has for me. So the paths, the path that God has walked in is rooted in our history, is rooted in your history. You see, there's a legacy that we're grasping hold of. And uh, we're to carry this thing further than those that preceded us had carried it. So now, look at what he's saying when we say no to the Lord. When you say no to the Lord, you're saying, Yes to the enemy. When you say no to the Lord, you don't leave a vacuum there, but you're agreeing with the enemy who's there to contradict whatever God has in fact said. That's where the contradiction comes in. We say no Lord. If you say no Lord, the devil says yes. He said yes, I'm glad you said no to the Lord because anytime you reject him, you're receiving me. So uh, Proverbs 22 helps us to understand what that's all about. He says, he said, thorns and snares are in the way of the perverse. Now listen to the words. He calls it perversity because understand what happens instead of standing in the way of God, you are 
you are changing positions and you're shifting away from, or you're moving away from God's position and oftentimes using the equipment and all the tools that God has given you so that you're enabled to stand or you're equipped to stand. He says, so perversity is the misuse of a particular thing that ought to be used in a, in, in a better way. So he says, he says, so there are thorns and snares of the way of the perverse. Now he says that not only are, are, is the activity perverse, but the person is perverted because of the fact that he or she has, has allowed their whole outlook, their whole, all their behavior, everything else to be opposing the position that God would have them to take. He says, so the star snares, thorns and snares are in the way. Now, now, I want you to see a picture of that. In other words, God is saying, I'm not going to let you have smooth sailing when you have made up your mind that you're not going to do what I told you to do. It's not going to be smooth sailing. And, and then understand, it's rough even when you say yes to the Lord because you must operate in faith because here you're fighting against the enemy who's trying to, to, to stop you from progressing. But here, when, you are, when you're moving forward, but you're working against God, guess who stands in the way? See, the Lord himself would not allow you to just go by without any opposition. So now you find yourself, we look at the, the thorns and, and, and snares, God will set a snare in the way of the perverse. Now, would you rather God set the snare, you see, or the way of God? But then God stands in the way. He is saying, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let you do your thing without opposition. And he's doing it in a redemptive manner, in a redemptive way. He is saying, in essence, I want you one day to wake up and smell the coffee, to realize that this thing that you're doing is self-destructive, that you're kicking against a prick, that you're working against your own, your own personhood, that this was not, you were not intended to, to, to participate in the thing that, that, that you're, you're engaged in. So, in the way of the perverse, I, was, I would say the way of the perverse, or a person that chews uh, thorns and snares, he are stand his way. He who guards his soul will be far from them. He who guards his soul, this is so important because we understand what happens. Now we're concerned about our mind, will, and emotions. He who guards his soul will be far from what? From the, the thorns and snares that comes forth as we, in, the, in the way of the reverse. He says, so now, he says this, this is how these two tie in. We see verse uh, 5 and verse 6. It is, you go to the parables, you begin to see where, where one is upon the other because it's teaching you, it's like a dual lesson that should be learned when you read the first, a lot of times we read the second, but we read the first and the second part. So when we see thorns and snares on the way of the perverse, uh, he will guard his soul, he who guards his soul before from him, from them. So we go back and ask, how can we avoid becoming perverse? How can we avoid becoming perverse? How can we get to the place where we are not engaged in an activity that's self-destructive? Then it goes back, it goes all the way back to your childhood. 
and he gives instructions to fathers and mothers, in particular to fathers. He said, train up a child in the way that he should go. Now, we understand that's a way of the perverse. That's not the way he should go. He said, but if you do not train up a child when he or she is a child, then their fallen nature will automatically move them in the direction of perversity. So what happens, look what, what God does when we are, we've been trained rightly. It, it's, it's hard for you to forget those standards that were established within your life, even as a child. You, you see, it's hard for you to forget when it says he will not depart. It does not mean that the person will not engage in perversity. It does not mean that that child would not do something opposite of the training that he or she had received. But it is saying, in essence, what is happening, something is being deposited within the soul of that child. You see, something is being deposited within the soul of the child. Understand, I love the fact, even when I was a child in Sunday school, the things I learned in Sunday school, we, we, we would learn things and Bible verses, and, and then he would say, what do you get out of this, Brother Walker? Then we have to tell what we got out of the Scripture. He said, now, now another person read, and they would give us instruction. That's how it was in the Methodist church. We were getting instructions in the thing. You know, a lot of that, and then they would let me, junior church, we would come up, and I had to, uh, I, I had to read certain things. In fact, I, I was pretty much the pastor of junior church because I started preaching at age 11. I would preach behind the, uh, uh, the, the communion table. I would preach behind the communion table back then. But you know what? It was those things, regardless of what I did after that, I just couldn't shake those things that I learned as a child. I could not shake it as a child. I mean, things I learned as a child. Because what happens, the memory is indelibly printed upon my mind. And, and I believe the same thing occurs within many. Uh, it's happening even now, even here now. But let, let me put it this way. Sometimes we had to force, we had to be forced to attend. We had to be forced to participate. It, it wasn't just like, I can't wait to go to Sunday school. I, let me be honest with you. I hated it. I learned a whole lot, but I hated it. I despised it. I said, oh, Lord, it's so boring. It's so boring. How hard to stay awake all that, but some things were imparted. Some things, because, you see, in, in, in the Scripture, we look in the Greek, they call it pedagogy. You were under a teacher. You were under instructors. You see, in other words, you were, you were forced to, 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 to listen. You were forced to take in certain things when you were a child. You see, a child doesn't just want to do homework. A child just doesn't want to study. But what happened, you, you lay down rules and you lay down instructions and they don't have a choice as to what they're to do, but they are to participate in whatever instructions may be given. So now, look at what happens. So when you train up a child, this is what you say, train up a child in the way he should go. Now, I'm going to say some things concerning that after a while. He says, you know, all he will not depart from it. He will not depart from the training. It didn't say he depart from the way, but he will not depart from the training because the training 
is indelibly printed upon his or her heart. The child will not depart from the training. Now, the way, let's look at this way. The way he should go is the way of the Lord. So when you're training up a child the way you should go, you are instilling upon that child the way of the Lord. But not only that, you're observing the child because you want to know his or her bent. There's a bent within a child. That child may begin to, you can see the child is musical, or the child may want to engage in art, some kind of art, or the child may be very vocal. Whatever you might see budding within that personality. And as you see those things budding within the child, what are we doing? There's a dual purpose for training. You're teaching them in the ways of the Lord, but you're also paying attention to the bent within the child. You said that child, you see, there's no sense in trying to make the child something that he was not intended or she was not intended to become. But you begin to see the budding potential within the child, even as the child is growing up. So when you see the budding potential, now what do you do? Now you train the child up in the way of God, and you begin to, it's, it's, when, when we grow a plant in the house, I know you put a stick sometimes in the pot, and then you allow the, 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 the vine to grow or whatever's growing so that it can grow straight. Now that's where God, the Word of God, and then you begin to bring on the, along with that whatever may be budding within the life. Let's say the child likes music, and now he, he's listening to uh, uh, some, some hard uh, rap. I'm talking about the nasty stuff. I'm talking about the real dirt, grime, greedy, greasy, dirty rap with, with, with all kinds of profane language. And you say, well, the child is, uh, uh, he has, apparently he's going to be a, 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 a gangster. He's going to be a gangster rapper. No, no. You take the potential of the fact that the child is musical and you begin to show the child the way of the Lord so that his musical abilities will wrap around the way of the Lord. So now his potential will be used in a constructive way. He will use or she will use whatever he has or she has in a way to glorify the Lord. Let them know by no means are you are you trying to uh, put a blanket upon the potential of the child, but you want to show them that there's a way to use whatever creativity he or she may have or whatever gifts or talents may be budding within his or her life in a way that can glorify the Lord. That means cultivating the gift, developing the child, making sure that the child will develop. Now understand, in the way that he should go, it's not only the way you would like for him to go, but in the way he should go, God has a lot to say about the way the child is, in fact, to go. There's something God places within the heart of that child, or has placed within all that child, that, that is yet to be discovered. But as it is being discovered, it's your responsibility to cultivate it. So, so, so we mentioned, so now we begin to look at, see, what you're doing in essence, you are, uh, your, your value is attached to your purpose. See, your value is attached to your purpose. So once you come to the place of understanding, you say, well, I see my purpose, and I see that this particular thing is developing within me, so now what happens? Now I have a, 
I'm valuable as it is being developed and as it's growing. I have something that can be used in order to make an impact over the world. One of the things I always ask that question, I, we, you did it, we did it, I think, Pastor Greg, when I was away, you asked the question, but we were asking the question, how do you see what you're doing used in such a way to make an impact upon the lives of others? That's a very important question because what we have to do from the very beginning, we must teach, and I do it here, we must always instruct in such a way that all realize that we are not to live merely unto ourselves. We are not to live merely unto ourselves, but we are to take on responsibility or shoulder responsibilities that's going to make an impact upon the lives of others. You see, now that could be a turnoff to people that are selfish because people, you see, our nature, we talked about the perverse way, the perverse mind is selfish. It is get mine and get more for me. I want mine. I want more uh, for that. I want more for myself. But, but understand, that's a part of that perversity. It is selfishness. It is becoming ingrown. It, it is, it, 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 that's perversity. Even the gifts of God. Anytime, anytime it becomes about me, my, I, and just us, that's perversity. So, so, so now, he is saying, so your purpose how much, see, see the question that I, 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 was, I was asking as I was preparing this is that how much, of you do, how much of you do you really know about you? That was, I think that's where God put it to me. How much of me do I really know about me? <laughs> how much of you? you? You see, so we talk about training a child, but now let's look at ourselves. How much of you do you really know about you? Because you are whatever you think of yourself. The way you think, as a man thinketh, so is he. But no, what happens, the way you train will also be in line with the way you think about yourself. Is the way you think about yourself. If you're selfish, I look at how many times you try to tell your kids not to be selfish. You, you see, you're still projecting something to that child that will contribute to his or her selfishness. I don't know how we got to see, but we talk about purpose now. You, you see, there's something you're still contributing to that. So, so what happens, I, I said, so it has to always do with self-examination. Lord, show me those things about me that need to be corrected so that I'm not imparting it to those that I'm, in fact, training. Now, as a pastor, as a pastor leader, I got to be very careful in that because, you know, if it's all about me, then ministry itself will be self-serving. Y'all ain't saying amen. Y'all ain't giving me nothing. Y'all got to, you see, y'all got to make me feel good about it. I mean, I'm preaching to you guys. Are you really paying attention to what I'm saying? Are you paying attention to me? Don't you like the way I'm preaching? Don't you like the way I'm talking to you? Well, well tell me. Tell me how you like the way I'm talking to you. Let me know how much you're enjoying this. You, you, you see, now what am I doing? What am I doing? I'm projecting upon you, I would say, something that's lacking in my own character. You see, you, you, you see that, 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 that there's a deficiency within me that I'm desirous of you to meet that particular need that I have, and it's really a deficiency, you, you see. And what happens, if, if I'm demanding that, that way, guess what? When I send you out as 
lambs before wolves. I've seen you out as missionaries. I've seen you out as people to make a difference in the world. Guess what you're going to carry? You're going to carry the personality of perversion. Are you seeing that? Because what happens, well, well I, 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 you see, I got to get mine. I got to get mine. You see, you're not, you're not helping me enough. And, and what happens, you wonder what happens when people start becoming ingrown and they begin to wonder, why are people paying attention, becoming, I would say, hypersensitive and all. You, you see, where is it coming from? Perhaps whoever they have been trained by or whoever has their ear, whoever they're listening to, you see, have that same character flaw within him or her, and it's being projected as a result of instructions. And I don't care how the rest of the instructions may be so on point, biblically and otherwise, we have to always be careful that we're not projecting something that resides within us that's causing people to get off track. You see that? And, and, and that's why all the time, Lord, examine my heart. Examine my heart because, you see, I, I, I was hurt. Let's, let, I'm just hypothetically speaking. If I was hurt last night and I have to preach today, you, you see, and I come in here wounded <laughs> and I bleed over you, all of y'all, I'm saying, see, y'all don't know how much hell I've gone through. So y'all got to help me today. You see, so, so for the most part, I'm not saying that doesn't happen and because we're all human, we have those kinds of issues, whatever, but, but we have to always check it. When I see that happening within me, I go before the Lord. I say, Lord, I want you to heal me enough so I can convey to the people what they need and not come to them with such, so many needs that it's more about me than it is about them. Am I making sense here? It's more about, I want it to be more about you than it is about me. Because yes, I may be suffering, but I'm, look, I'm preaching to a people that's suffering as well. Yes, you can relate to my sufferings, you can relate to my hurt and my pain, but you can also, the thing that's going to help you overcome is when you see me overcome. When you see me overcome, when I get to the place where I can say, well, even though I'm hurting, but praise God, I'm so glad that the Lord is still with me and the Lord is still using me and things are still coming together as God would have them come together, that, that, that my purpose is still the same, that none of these things will hinder me from carrying out the assignment agenda that God has given me. You see what I mean? So, so, so what we're saying, if we overcome, then we assist others to become Overcomers. You see, we're helping them become overcomers. But if we, if, if we lay into that, if we stay in that, I would say, that valley, in that rut, then we begin to poison the congregation. We begin to poison our children. We're poisoning, poisoning those that we're instructing based upon our own uh, inadequacies, inadequacies, our own pain, and our own hurt. You see, so, so, so and let me put it this way now. That's a lesson that God is instructing me in. And I'm saying, Lord, I always want to be at a place where it's more about others than it is about me. Now, let me move on. Uh, uh, the, 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 we also realize that, I said this many times, I said that a diamond shines brighter 
with the backdrop of darkness. A diamond shines brighter with the backdrop of darkness. Now, what is this saying here? It is saying that, that, that what happens, that which God is developing within us, he's causing it to be diamonds. But, but understand this, but yet when you see the contrast, that's where I want to head and, and, and develop the rest of his message. He is saying, I want the contrast to be vivid within your lives. You, you see, yes, this is what you're going through. These are the things that you're dealing with, but understand, you're a diamond, but now these things cause you to shine as a diamond because of the fact that you withstand whatever may be coming your way. Now, let's look at some scripture here because I want you to see how this all fits in to what, uh, what God, uh, in, in this whole thing of contrast, that's what I want, I want to deal with the rest of this message because this is what, uh, uh, I preached this some time ago. We talked about oceanography. We talked about Matthew Murray. Uh, Matthew Murray was the person that uh, came up with this whole thing of uh, oceanography. Now, now, what he did, he read something in the scripture and he looked at a way to apply it because he says that even though science has not supported what was written in scripture, he said, but the word of God is true regardless. What he read was here in Psalm 8 and 8. He said, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. That's what he read. He read that the birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. So he is saying that there were paths and patterns that were established within the sea, as it is with our children. He said, that's a path that God has for our children. That's a path that God has for your life. So when he read that, he said, so the birds have paths. He said, and the fish of the sea pass through the paths of the sea. He said, there's a path and a pattern in which the, the fish of the sea are all live, all the live stock and livelihood that's within the sea, everything alive within the sea is passing through a path. And I wonder, I said, why is it that birds fly uh, south in the winter and they fly north in the summer, but they can find their way to where they left. They come right, the same ducks, same birds will be right back in my, my yard that might have flown away but they can find their way back, the same ones. And then wherever they go, they go there and they come back. Because understand, they fly in groups, but they're following a path. <coughs> Pardon me. There are, there are paths that they are following. Now, the same thing. Now we see that in the air, but you can't see it in the sea, but the same thing, fish. There's paths and patterns that they follow. There are paths and patterns that the fish of the sea, whales, whatever may be within the ocean, they're following paths. So what happened, so, so what Maury did, he said since, Matthew Maury said, he said since the Bible says that, he wanted to figure out where those paths really are. Where are the paths within the sea? So he came up with 
something that's called oceanography, and he discovered that there were paths within the sea. So now we begin to see it established as a science. We see it established as a science. But then we begin to look at other scriptures to support it. In Ecclesiastes 1.6, it says the wind goes towards the south and then turns around to the north. The wind now. There's a path for the wind. The wind goes to the south, then it turns around. Now, we're watching this now because there's stuff going on in weather. Weather that's happening now with the cold blast. And they said, and they're, they're already forecasting warmer weather coming. First of all, the blast and warmer weather later on and all that. But they can do that because they're studying the paths, the paths of the wind. He said, the wind whirls about continually. It's always in motion and comes again on its circuit. Even if it whirls around, it's still following its path and pattern. He, he said, all the rivers run into the sea. All the rivers run into the sea. Yet the sea is not full. Isn't that something? All the rivers run into the sea. But yet the sea is not full. And, and, and one scripture talks about how he holds the sea. He holds the borders and the boundaries of the sea with sand. With sand. That, that's a powerful thing in it. Something as small as sand. He holds those boundaries within their border with just sand. But they do not override. Now we've seen where things have flooded, whatever, but we talk about normally they're held within their pattern. He said, to the place from which the river comes, there they return again. So it comes and it goes. It comes and it goes. So, so but, but God has established the paths and the patterns for the waters and for the wind. And if he did it for the waters and the wind, he's done it for our lives as well, for each life. God has a path and a pattern for our lives to follow. You know, you know we talk about getting in the will of God, finding what God is doing, and then putting yourself fully, wholly into uh, the will of God or what God may be doing at a particular time. That's something that, that's where you find peace and uh, you find that, that, that uh, the peace that surpasses all understanding is when you can give yourself fully over uh, to the things of God. That, that's a word, as we look at the scriptures, we begin to see how all through the scripture you'll see where he would show one thing in contrast to the other. One thing in contrast. He talks about, we read about, about the perverse man, and he talks about the person that, uh, that, that's been trained rightly and, and the results of those two. So, so now we call that just a positioning, where there are two things being seen or placed to, close together, but with contrasting effects. The effects of it is much different. We begin to look at Scripture, just give you some Scripture to help you see this. One is Proverbs chapter 4, verse 14. It says, do not enter the path of the wicked. It's going back to what we read earlier. Don't enter the path of the wicked. It said, don't do that, and do not walk in the way of evil. The path of the wicked and the way of evil. In fact, the path of the wicked is the way of evil. You enter in and walk in. You see those words? He said, you enter into the path, then you walk in the way of evil. You will carry out evil deeds once you have engaged on a particular path. Uh, 
I, I, I was talking, when we were doing the training, uh, I think with, with uh, uh, to, to be certified as chaplains, I, I believe that they now can measure where crime is about to occur in a particular area. Did you know they got signed, they scientifically can tell, they said, now you're going to find a greater breakout of crime in this particular area other than that. There's a, they can measure now just about where certain things are about to occur. And I said, well, how can you do, I mean, it, it amazes me that you can go and study uh, uh, to that degree and pretty much measure where there's going to be more homicides, where there's going to be more suicides, whatever is happening. That those things are measurable. Behavior itself is measurable. Do you realize how, how, how our lives are measured and, and the behavior can be so measured that if certain things happen, then people are going to act in a particular way? Do you see that? People are going to act in a particular way. You, remember, you know, I talked some time ago about lunatics, the word lunar. Lunar has to do with the moon. And, and what happened? They said when the moon is in a particular position, he said people begin to misbehave because of the position of the moon. But, but there are certain things that happen within the environment and the atmosphere that will contribute or trigger activity to us within the minds of individuals. So now, and now people have reduced it to a science. That now, they've reduced the science. Now when we begin to look at that, he is saying you enter into the path of the wicked, then you can, it is already predetermined that you're going to walk in the way of evil. Why? Because you enter the path of wicked, of the wicked. Now, which also, if we reverse that now, now you begin to see our value. We see our value. That's why ministering the Word of God, preaching the truth, evangelism, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as some is, is so important. Because what happens, you see, what happens, we as a people of God can change the trajectory of the culture that's, ticket, that's all around us. But if we, if we do nothing, then by default we get permission for those paths and patterns to be followed by the rest of the world. You, you see that? that that's, that's how simple it is. He is really saying that the way we, because understand, the Bible says the wind blows where it wills, no one knows where it comes from, where it goes, so as everyone is born of spirit. When we are allowing, when we are spirit-led, when we are guided by the spirit, when we have surrendered our hearts, our souls, everything to God, then we become the antidote to what is happening within the world. But if we do nothing, then don't blame Hollywood, the Academy Awards and all the naked stuff that go on and the profanity and the, 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 the drive-by shooters and the killers. You see, by default, we get permission for those things. The way of the perverse, the way of the wicked runs rampant without any kind of, uh, with, with, without any kind of stops. So, so what happens, that's what the Bible says, talk about how, when it talks about us, is that he that letteth will let. That's the spirit until he's taken away. Now, we understand that there are times when the, the, the end of, of it, we're raptured or the end of the church age and all that. But I can also look at, a, at, at an application to that even to this day. 
when the church ceases to be the church, when the people of God ceases to be the people of God, then we give permission for that kind of behavior to run without any uh, checks and balances. So now, uh, I think Sunday I'm going to talk about some of that too, some of the history and some of the things that were going on when our church began, but the kind of revival that was taking place in the midst of the missing and murdered children and the other things that were going on. Do you realize that was a year that this church and many others were born? In 1980, 79 and 80. So now, let's go on. I want you to see this. So the path of the wicked. He, say, he says, so, so now it's, it says, uh, do not walk in the way of evil. He said, avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. Turn away from it and keep walking. Turn away from it. Reject it and move in a different direction. He says, for they do not sleep unless they've done evil. And their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. Are you seeing something here? They can't sleep until they mess somebody's life up. He says, for they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. You see, that's what they live for. He said, that's the path of the wicked. He said, so, so, so look at the juxtaposition. That's the position of the wicked. He doesn't leave it there, but then he says, but, I'm so glad he put this in here, but the path of the just. The path of the just. That's why there's such a, there's such a, uh, I would say, a chasm between justice and righteousness that we were talking about the other day, that, that we begin to see a clash between systems. Oh, that's the article I'm writing for, for the month of February. But we begin to see that clash in cultures and all that. He said, but the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines even brighter unto the perfect day. So in other words, we should have increasing uh, radiance. Our impact should be increasing rather than diminishing. It should be increasing. So, so who am I? Uh, there again, I'm not asking you to say amen, but I, I'm talking, who am I speaking with? Who am I speaking to? I want you to know what, this is what God intends. He said, the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter until that perfect day, until the perfect day. He says, so in other words, we need to be at a place of, like I said, introspection, always asking God to show us more of himself. How can I become totally immersed in the will of God? He says, it's brighter and brighter into that perfect day. He said, so, so in other words, he says that, that your light should shine brighter today because of how much darkness is in the world today. You see, how much darkness is in the world today. So, so in other words, we talk about past and purpose. We have a purpose now. There's a reason. See, if we understood this to be the reason, then it's not that hard for us to participate in the things of God. But if you don't see the reason to participate, you know, what's the purpose of coming to church? What's the purpose of reading the Bible? What is the, what's the purpose of hearing a message? See, but you have to understand the impact based upon the Word of God that the church has the potential of making. Now, if you were the devil, if you were the devil, where would you, what would be your first area of attack? The place that would be the greatest 
attack against him. You see, when you, when, when, when you go to, you look at wars, they go, they try to destroy ammunition. They, they, they begin to say, well, this is where they're storing their, their, their material. This is where they're storing all of the artillery. So what they do, they begin to attack those areas so that people will have nothing to fight with. They have nothing to fight with. In this day, it's getting crazy. People are just taking out civilians, but we talk about the rules of war, the rules of engagement for war. Usually, you, you begin to attack uh, military bases and, and, and those kinds of things because what are you doing? You want to cause their military to become defenseless. But that's what the enemy would do. He would attack the church. He would attack the church. So when the church becomes powerless, then he can just come in and he becomes the church because he says, no fight in you, so I'll just take your place. And what he does, he brings his flag and he establishes his flag where the flag of Christ used to be erected. So now, let's look at this. He says, so now it ought to be the path of the just shining like a shining sun that shines ever brighter and brighter into the perfect day. But he said, but the way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what, what makes them stumble. They don't even know what's causing them to stumble. They don't even know what's happening. It happened, but how did it happen? And, and here's what happens. People that are in that condition oftentimes don't even know they're in that condition. And when they realize, they don't realize, they don't understand how they got there. How did I as a believer, how did a believer become an unbeliever? How could a person that was turned onto God get to a place where now he has fully or she has fully rejected him? They don't know, but the path led towards that. It's just one thing after another. It could be a little compromise. You got a boyfriend or he gets a girlfriend. And there, uh, the Bible talks about not being unevenly yoked. Don't be yoked with an unbeliever. So now you have someone that's not really uh, a believer. And now because of the differences in beliefs, and you say, well, I'm going to convert her, or you, you, you might say, I'm going to convert, convert him. He'll be all right once we get together. But then you begin to see where that person, some of what they believe will begin to rub off on you until the point where compromise, compromise is usually negotiations. Let's negotiate. Uh, a Muslim, I'll, come, I'll go to the mosque if you come to church. You see, I'll go to the Buddhist temple if you come to church. You see, if you pray, if, if you pray to whoever, then, then if you pray to Jesus or, or to God, then I'll pray to whatever deity you want me to pray. So any compromise, you see, any compromise. Uh, we, won't, we won't get so involved physically. We're just, we're, we're just getting heavy petting. You, you see, any kind of compromise. The whole objective is to get you to step out of your strategic position so that you're no longer walking in the path that you were once walking in. And if he can get an inch, he's going to take a mile. He's going to take a mile. You might as well just go all the way. You've done this much, you might as well let it all go. So now, look at what happens. The way of the wicked. He doesn't even know how he stumbled. He doesn't know what contributed to his fall. But that's what the enemy does. He takes you step by step, inch by inch. Now, I've got several scriptures that deal with this 
comparison that deals with these comparisons. And uh, I'm just going to read some, and then we'll close, because I want you to see it. It's so beautiful. Here in Psalm 37, 28, for the Lord loves justice. He loves justice. He starts off with God, what God loves. He loves justice and does not forsake his saints. Now, now, now that's something that we can hold on to. The Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. Now, now he, starts with the, he starts with us understanding what he, uh, his love. He loves what, what he does. He loves justice. He loves justice and does not forsake his saints. Why? Because they stand for justice. And he says, and because of the fact that they stand in the right way and have the right position, they are therefore preserved forever. Their stand has brought them to a place where they are preserved forever. But then he goes, here's the juxtaposition. He says, but the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. Even the descendants, his kids. <laughs> he said, the children of the wicked shall be cut off. He says, so what are you doing? You're breeding failure. You're breeding those that will follow the way of the wicked. So, so it is saying, now I love this. I love the scripture says the father has eaten sour grapes, the children's teeth are set on edge. He says, say that no longer, don't use that any longer. He says, but he says, but all souls are mine, the soul of all are mine. He says, so the soul that said it, they shall die. What he's doing then, he's already bringing a New Testament. He's helping you to understand, in essence, the responsibility you have, but you have a bent in a particular direction based upon how you're raised, how you're raised. You can overcome it, but there's a bent in a particular direction based upon how you're raised. I know that's true. Based upon how you were raised, based upon what you observe, based upon what you were exposed to, you understand what happens. It's indelibly imprinted within your heart and your mind, and that becomes your norm to a degree. And, and praise God for salvation, because when we're saved, oftentimes, and it ought to be, that God opens your eyes so you begin to see. You said, I don't want to be what I saw in those that were not walking in victory. I don't want to be what I saw, you see, but, but, but if you do nothing, you're going to be a chip off the old block. You see, I'm talking about for a negative, but if it's a positive, if you, if you do, if you pay attention to the instructions given, you'll be a positive, you'll be a positive chip off the old block. So I'm showing you both sides. You see, I'm talking about the good instructions, bad instructions. If, if, you, if you pay attention to the instructions, if you do not reject the instructions, then what you see modeled before you will be, uh, will be a part of who you are. Now, I'm almost done, but look at this. Look at the comparison. Look at the contrast. He said the righteous, but he said, but the righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. It goes on and on about these comparisons. Uh, it talks about wisdom being better than strength. But it, I, I, I want to read that one. I'm going to make that the last one because this is so profound. Ecclesiastes 9 and 16, then I say, then I say that wisdom is better than strength. He compares wisdom to strength. Nevertheless, 
Listen, listen. It says, nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised. <clears throat> and his words are not heard. Isn't that something? It says, but the poor man's wisdom is despised and he is not heard. Why? Because people gravitate towards what they consider to be successful or success. People desire, their passions are driven by what they call success to be. They say, I can't, I can't receive from a person that have as much money as I have. I can't, re you see the attitude of some. I can't receive from a person that doesn't drive a car. He has a, he has, what do you call them cars? Uh, uh, they call it scuttlebutts. <laughs> it's falling apart. How can he tell me anything? You see what I mean? So, so now that's really, people begin to contrast what the apparent or the appearance of success, uh, and they use that as a way of means of determining as to whether they can receive from a particular person. They said, well, well, if you're all that, how many people are taking you seriously? How many people are listening to you? So apparently, there must not be a whole lot going on. Now, that's right here, but you understand that's attitude. But now, he says here that, in, and I got to read this one and the other one too. He said, wisdom is better than strength. Wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, a poor man's wisdom is despised. I heard a preacher preach that and say, that's why you need to get some money. <laughs> I said, missed it. I mean, I've heard, I was in a meeting. I, was, I, well, I don't know if y'all were there or not. You were there? Oh, I was in a meeting. And man, and they actually said that. They said, they said, that's why you need to have some money. He said, because if you want your wisdom not to be despised, you better get some money. I, I looked, I looked, I was in the meeting. I said, oh, Lord, showing, showing on my face. Let me, let me straighten my face out. I said, because I, I, I'm showing it. Missed it. Missed it. I almost want to step up and say, wrong. <laughs> You're absolutely wrong. That's not what that scripture is saying. It's not condemning the wise man. If, if he was condemned, he wouldn't be wise. It is saying that the judgments of people uh, how people determine things is off-center. He said, and his words are not heard. He said, words, but, but then he says, but the words of the wise spoken quietly should be heard. It ought to be heard. Now that, see, you've got to finish reading the Scripture. Even though it's not heard, it warrants the attention of the people, it ought to be heard, whether they hear it or not, rather than the shout of a ruler of fools. A ruler of fools. Now he's shouting out. He's making a lot of noise, and he's a ruler of fools. Wait a minute. A ruler of fools, it is saying that his foolishness has become contagious. He's breeding it, foolishness, but he's breeding it based upon his volume. Do you see that? He is shouting, and the people are aligning themselves with the message, which is really, he's a ruler of fools. And then it says, wisdom is better than weapons of war. He said, but one sinner destroys much good. One sinner destroys much good. One person that's off, 
one person that's messed up can destroy a, a multitude, you see, much good. All of this that has been established within one's life, all it takes is a sinner to align him or herself to that person. And then all of those years of building that person up is washed away, is gone. And it would be as if they never heard. And you say, what happened to them? See, corrupt communication. See, bad communication corrupts good manners. It is, who have you been listening to? So we have to be careful that people aren't engaged in mind poisoning. You talk about food poisoning. It's worse, mind poisoning is worse than food poisoning. It's someone that's saying something to be, regardless of how convincing they may sound or they may appear to be based upon their connections, it can destroy all of that which might have been established in that person's life over the period of time. One sinner destroys much good. One person, one renegade can mess up everything. So uh, I was going to read this other one, talk about the kiss of, of uh, uh, open rebuke is better than uh, love carefully concealed. That's Proverbs 27, 6, 5. See, love concealed. In other words, expressing love is better to tell a person, to correct a person than to love a person and not let them know you love them. He says, but open rebuke is better than love concealed. But then he says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. See, there's a lot of wisdom in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. It is saying, one, you see, it, it, it is faithful are the wounds uh, of a friend. In other words, if I love you, I'm going to be honest with you. And oftentimes, and many times, honesty hurts. Honesty can be painful. Brutally honest. Yes, speak the truth, speak it in love, but truth can also be brutally hurtful. Because what are you doing? That person has been going in the wrong direction for a long period of time, or maybe a short period of time, and we see where it can be destructive. You owe it to him or her to tell them the truth. You owe that to them. I love you enough. Now, I get in trouble a lot on that, but I owe you this. I can't, I, I tell people all the time, don't tell me something. Don't tell me something that's, that where a person, that thing could be harmful to that individual and not for me, and don't expect me to not get involved. I'm going to get involved in that individual's life. I'm going to, I'm going to, some of you know, I'm going to call the person up. I, I'll try to keep you quiet. I won't mind it, not call your name out. I might not tell them where I got it from, but I'm going to talk. I'd be pushed sometimes. Tell me who, no, I can't tell you, but I'm just asking you, is it true? <laughs> now, that's why I do it. I'm asking you, is it true? Uh, are things that are being said about you, is it true? And if it is, let's look at a way. Let's look at a way to deal with this thing. Let's look at a way back to Christ. Is this the way you want to end your life? Is this is how you want things to go in your life? Or are you willing and ready to get these situations straightened out?
you see. So, so I'm saying this, that's what you get from me. And I want you to be honest that way. I expect you to be honest. Don't, don't just sit back. If people fall out with you now, you, you, might, you may lose some dear friends, but you lost them not because you were doing something against them. You were just being honest and real. Keeping it real. That's what you're doing. Even if you're wrong, you might have to say, well, right now, we just can't find a meeting place concerning this particular subject. But until you can convince me otherwise, this is where I believe. And I have scripture, hopefully, I have scripture to back up my position. I could show you where I'm right. And not only scripture. You see, even situations will support if I'm right. If I'm wrong, then I need to be honest enough to say I missed it. But you see, situation, circumstances will support the position if, in fact, the position that's taken is right. You see, things will, because the Lord, no lie can stay hidden forever because truth crushed earth will rise again. It will eventually surface. The truth will eventually surface. But understand, even if you thought you were right, you owe it to speak the truth. And don't fall out. Speak the truth in love. I love you, however, I must tell you that this thing is not the way you think it is. Are you some things in your life that need to be addressed. Are you understanding? So now, we see the juxtaposition, we see the contrast, and we see the position of righteousness, the position of justice, and we see the rewards of the righteous and the benefits of being just. So, Father, we thank you, and we honor you for what you're teaching us tonight if we continue to to fulfill your purposes within our lives and pursue that purpose as we embrace the greater purpose. I pray, Lord, that even as I share tonight that we will do some introspection and we will begin to look at ourselves and not only that, look at motives Look at motives. Look at why certain things are being said now and search our hearts as to whether God, as to whether what is being said is a message to us or not based upon what we believed and based upon where we stood. But now you're asking us to stand so that we can see. So with that, Lord, we give you praise and honor and glory because that's how much you love us. To always correct us that we may be brought to a new place in you. As we have entered into this new year, yes, that's how we're going to embrace the greater purpose. Is because of what you're saying and the word that's given. And Lord, I'm praying that this will be the way of this house. And I would pray even as the psalmist would pray. He said, if you find anything in me, I said, but the things you find in me, to my mind, Lord, I pray that you will bring them to my mind. And may the experiences that I face 
be of such to purge me of those things that will be hindrances to your will being done within this house. So with that, I give you the honor, we give you the honor, the praise, and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.